Lord, give him glory this morning for being alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. First, I'd like to thank each one of you for coming this morning. As most of you know, we, this was uh, basically an odd week and never uh, one that a preacher enjoys. I was making my preparations to get my yearly break, which everybody likes their yearly break, and most of you take one every other month. And that's all right. That's all right. If God bless you where you can, that's fine. But mine comes far and few between, and I was sure looking forward to it. And I got a call that Brother Larry had passed, and so that's not good news for a minister. About an hour later or so, I got a telephone call that Brother Leon had gone to the hospital. So I said, oh, Lord. It wasn't about 45 minutes they called, and Brother Sidney had gone to the hospital. And I said, well, hallelujah, Lord. Wasn't two hours later, the call said, well, your wife took a test. The test didn't pass out. You're going to have to cancel the vacation, so you need to bring her in Monday morning and do some more tests. And I said, well, praise God. So this has been a good week. Amen. So I went to my office, and, uh, you know, the devil hops up on both shoulders at that time. He, he said, well, now what are you going to preach? <laughs> he said, now what are you going to preach? You preach divine healing? They all went to the hospital. I said, well, I think I'm going to take my subject on divine healing. Because I believe it. Amen. God is good. God is great. And God's word is true. My job is to preach and pray the impossible. I put it in your notes. Your job as a believer is to believe the word for the impossible, and it's God's job to do the impossible. Amen. I still believe it is God's will, and I give you some notes there to encourage your faith that it is God's will to heal. But I want to speak on divine healing because there comes and must come divine healing for the resurrection and the rapture. The resurrection and the rapture is no more than an anointing of divine healing. Because we will not leave this earth in a body that has any sickness or sin in it. If you like an arm, there will be an arm provided. If you need eyes, I believe you'll have eyes. Whatever the need to bring your body to a perfect state of immortality, it will happen. So we're looking at the perfection of divine healing. What is the source? Because most people look at the Word of God and preach. They pray for the sick, and the sick get sicker, and most of them end up dying. And the farther we go that way, the more people are encouraged by Satan to disbelieve the Word of God. Is God's Word true? Can we trust it? Will God do what He said He would do? Is He really the same yesterday, today, and forever? We are in an hour of gross darkness. We see the Word of God is true in its demise. 
We have no problems looking around and seeing Satan rampage in America. Anarchy is on the rise. Discontent. All these people that are rioting and burning and looting, what are more, are manifestations of devils. Demon powers anointing and using their bodies for destruction and corruption. It will continue to get worse and worse, but God has provided us an exit. And I believe that exit is here at hand. I want to take for a text this morning, 2 Peter 1. Read verses 12 and 13 and 1 Peter 2, 21 and 24. For if you look at the promise of healing in the New Testament, the only references you can go back to is the ministry of Jesus and the statement made by the Apostle Peter, by his stripes you were healed. What we find for 2,000 years, even to the Jews, and we're going to take the notes and look at it this morning. I've preached on it several times. Because when Brother Bram said, take this message for your healing, most of us do not understand what he is saying. If healing today is only in the atonement of Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice at Calvary, and 99% of Christianity does not believe that the atonement was effective in its fullness, that it accomplished what it was set forth to do, then where are you going to find healing and deliverance? For if any element of the atonement fails, all the elements of the atonement fails. So therefore, the church has reduced the atonement down for the salvation of your souls if you do the following. And we could go on and on and on with the ifs and the conditions. I believe according to the Scripture and according to the message of this hour that the only way of salvation, the only perfect method of healing and bringing us to immortality is a revelation of the reality of the atonement of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him plus nothing. It is so simple that it stumbled the theologians and the minds of man for 2,000 years. Very few, and even today, we have not come to the full perfection or the complete revelation of the atonement of Jesus Christ, how perfect it was for sin and sickness. If the sacrifice was sufficient to save us from our sins because He became sin, then according to the Scripture, in light of the perfect sacrifice, God sees us through the blood as sinless. If He sees us through the blood as sinless, He must see us through the blood as sickless. If He does not see us as sickless, He cannot see us as sinless. Now, He only hears us through the blood. He does not see us. He only hears us through the blood. And therefore, Jesus was made the intercessor and mediator of our confession. And confessing what He done through the blood, that's the only means that the Spirit in you can bring to pass the promise that you confess that you have. So there is a law of faith that must activate the promises of God. So Peter tells us in chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, 
into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The everlasting kingdom is basically in the body of Christ or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you're baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ, which is Christ himself, you and that spirit become one. Not two, one. So if the Holy Spirit came down vertically on the day of Pentecost, separated itself into little licks of fire, and in several or at least two of Brother Brown's meetings, he said he saw the pillar of fire broke forth in licks of fire on individuals as they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, that spirit and baptism in you makes you the same spirit horizontally here manifested in flesh. It doesn't make him here us carrying us along. It makes us him one here in us. Making us sons and daughters are little sons of man are the little logoses. Attributes of his own life. It makes you sons and daughters of God. Making the temple or the church the body of Jesus Christ on the horizontal plane. Making us one with Him. In other words, when we look in the mirror of God's Word, you can say, that's me. How can we say that? A revelation of the atonement. He became sin that we may become the righteousness of Almighty God. So Peter says here in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you in always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yeah, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. 1 Peter 2, 21 and 25, we have read this text several times, but for even hereunto were you called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. He suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. This should become a characteristic of his life in us. Notice 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins. Should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Here is a picture of the great atonement which Jesus never did was able to get the Jewish nation to receive. The two prophets that will come back in the last three and a half years, and I don't believe that's too far down the road. Their ministry will be the same ministry and picture that we are trying our best to get across to this Gentile remnant. That I believe the Gentile age is demise and we're in Duros darkness. But the two prophets will come back as a witness and they will preach the great atonement of Jesus the Messiah at Calvary. 
He will preach that by the atonement they are saved, they are healed, and they will be glorified by the revelation of Jesus and Him alone. Most of the world cannot accept that Jesus was the Son of the Almighty God. They cannot see that His blood was perfect or the perfect blood of God. And that sacrifice appeased and made us in fellowship with God Himself. We are reconciled to God by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is faith alone. And faith is taking the Word of God or another man's word for it. Apostle Peter, James, John the prophets, seven messengers of this age, Luther, Wesley, even today, and Brother Branham, and now the Holy Ghost Himself is here in the form of a fivefold ministry, bringing completion to the body of Christ. They've never accepted the reality that sin was absolutely done away with by the death of Jesus Christ. God sees you absolutely perfect. Only your faith in the Word will save you. Only your revelation of Jesus Christ dying for you will bring you salvation. There is nothing that you can do as far as acts. You can pray. You can read your Bible. You can memorize the Bible. You can believe the prophet. You can pay your tithes. You can do everything in the works that's able to man to do, but it will not save you. They're good works. They're righteous deeds. You may have gifts of giving. You may have gifts of hospitality. All these things could be manifest in your lives. But don't give any credit to that as far as your salvation because it is only just the blessings of God. Salvation is in one faith alone, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you've got faith in the Word of God that that satisfied God's righteous judgment for your sin and you've made righteous, God will receive your faith as you believe Jesus was the Christ. So we understand now that Christianity becomes the great confession. That's all it is, is a confession of faith. Most Christians are defeated by what? A negative confession. We have preached this through the years and over and over and over, the power of confession, because most of us has not been properly taught the doctrine of the Word. They have not received the message of the hour and its doctrine. As Brother Branham said, you can't teach Pentecostals doctrine. They still believe the same rituals and approaches to God as was in the church ages all the way through Pentecost, even up until the death of the prophet. But we know at the opening of the seven seals in 1963, something changed. There was a medium change. There was approach to God to change. There was a relationship change. And the partial walk in the Spirit, partial understanding, evidences, baptism, joining the churches, all these traditions that we have, as far as God was concerned, He didn't accept it again as His approach to Himself. Brother Branham said, nothing outside this message will come to life. Therefore, this message must be Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, because only in Christ is there life. It's hard for people to get away from the great ministry of Brother Branham. It's hard for people to get away from uh, Brother Branham said, all these things, that's all wonderful. 
But Brother Branham was only an instrument and a body. A man used in a ministry and a far means to afford in the Scripture. No more than I'm being used to do this and no more you, you're being used to do your part. For every one of us has a measure of faith to perform and to do that which we are called to do. We are elected and chosen to fulfill a certain role. Sit in a certain place, attend certain services, give a certain amount, speak a certain amount. Because every step of the righteous is ordained of the Lord. We're only acting out a role. And once we understand that role is basically walking in the footsteps of Jesus because we are little Jesuses. We are Mrs. Jesus Christ. And to be Mrs. Jesus Christ, you have to be Christ Himself. How can you look in the mirror and say, that's me? Because once we understand the Word of God and His plan... We'll find that the bride and the true believer is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in flesh. God in His Word, God in His will, God in His life, in a physical form, the Word made flesh. Amen. We've preached it over and over and over. Most of our confessions basically hold us in bondage. It seems to be hard to basically control our tongue. Because to do that, you'd have to control the mind. And to do that, you'd have to train the mind to think a certain way, to talk a certain way, to believe a certain thing. And let's just, let's just be honest. It's kind of hard to kind of train the mind to do what it should do instead of what we haphazardly do all the time. Many times you open them out, it just flies out. You don't even realize that it went through your brain first. You need to think twice and speak once. If you think twice, you won't even hardly speak once. The Bible says our own words holds us in bondage. Our own words is controlled by our revelation and our belief. Proverbs 6.2 says, Thou art snared with the words out of thy mouth. What is a snare? Just like Brother Bam had a meeting up north. Brother Lee was saying they had a meeting. And before the service, Brother Brown went and shook hands with a few in the audience. He wanted to check out the sound and see the building. And some was in wheelchairs and stretchers. And he said, God bless you, Brother. God bless you. And went around and greeted the people and then walked out. And there was a critic there who said, well, that's the way he does it. They understood the discernment. They said, well, that's the way he does it. He goes by and checks and he, and he finds out what it is. And then he, he calls them out. So that spirit sat there, and Brother Lee said it was the hardest services that we ever went through in our life. Brother Brown preached and preached and preached. The first night, second night, got harder and colder and colder. Nothing would move. He said, Brother Brown, he said, there's something wrong. He said, you need to rest. It's not going. So let me preach a couple of messages. Let uh, rest up, and we'll hit this thing again. He said, we preached a couple of nights, and Brother Brown come back, and there was a hundred people come in from out of town that actually believed the ministry and the message that was there today. He said, it broke that spirit of that one man, that one unbeliever sat there and kept the people from receiving the gospel and receiving healing and the anointing because he sat there as a critic. One person under the influence of a spirit, could control that whole service. I've seen that time and time and time again. 
Usually when I was younger, me and the one that had the spirit would get in a spiritual battle back and forth. I would holler at it and it would holler back at me. I remember one service we got into such a spirit, he got so mad he threw the songbook across the aisle. I said, I got him now, praise God. <laughs> spirits are powerful. Most of us carry around certain spirits and are influenced by many spirits that we're not even aware of. We understand that the Great Commission, I'll read it for you in Mark 16. He said, afterward he appeared unto the eleven after his resurrection. He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now where did their unbelief and hardness of heart come from? They'd just seen him less than 72 hours before, less than that. He said, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Their hardness of heart was manifested because they did not believe the ones that had seen him after his resurrection. That's the trouble today. Jesus Christ has resurrected us from denominationalism, from the tombstones, and has actually raised us from the dead. He called us out from among the dead to dress us and prepare us for the wedding supper in the sky. Amen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? What gospel are we to preach? If you ask someone today, they would say you need to preach that God sent a prophet. And uh, Brother Brown was a prophet. And whatever more, explaining his ministry. The gospel is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sins. He became sin that you may become the righteous of God by faith. And once we're baptized in the Holy Spirit by water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of our unbelief and sins. We are promised the gift of the Holy Ghost, which to me is faith. And faith is what joins you and makes you one with God or the Word Himself. Invisible union, marriage. You're not just two alone, you're one. Husband and wife in the Scripture, the type of Christ in the church, they are one flesh. One you said, that's a great mystery. It sure is because you can't see, get husbands and wife to see themselves at one, as one. Oneness. This is the reason the Godhead is so hard to understand how Brother Branham could call Jesus God and call him the Son of God. There were not two, there's one. and only. They get so confused. It must be just one. No, there's a oneness that makes us one. We are one with God. We are reconciled. God has not one problem with you. Now, we have a problem with God, but He doesn't have any problem with us. And if we'd only tune our minds and spirit and control our lips to get in tune with what He tells us about ourselves and believe that what He tells me is true and let that confession come out of our mouth as a faith, we would be one in soul, spirit, Mind and body. Praise the Lord. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The, the perfect atonement of Jesus Christ. Why was Paul's revelation turned down? Why is the apostle Paul's revelation, especially the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians, why is it turned down today? You won't get one theologian 
to believe in a perfect atonement, a complete atonement. Everyone that I know in every book I've read always believes in a limited atonement. Limited. It's not complete. There's something else missing. There is nothing missing in the atonement. And when you come down to end, it comes to perfection. And perfection is you believe in the Word because you become the Word. How can the same Spirit in you be the Word manifested that's wrote in this Bible, and then you turn around and out of your mouth disagrees with what's in the Bible? It's got to be another Spirit there. These signs shall follow he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He said, then there must be a condition. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, first page I give you the whosoever, who wills and whatever more. Whosoever means anyone that believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Does that cover everybody? Yes and no. Is the atonement perfect? Is it sufficient to save every person? Yes. Does it have enough power in it to heal every disease and take care of every physical problem? Yes. Does everybody benefit from the atonement? No. Why? Because it must be received by faith. It has to be accepted by faith. These shall follow them that believe. The condemnation is when Jesus was resurrected at Calvary. God raised him from the dead, come back on the day of Pentecost to continue his work in his body here. Then we find out that they didn't believe the full gospel. Paul preached that the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and resurrection was the power to immortality. He said, one day, those down the road at the end, they will receive my report that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sins and faith in Him and Him alone will bring the very power, the life, and the resurrection that God wrought in Christ will be brought in us as believers. It's possible. He that is baptized shall be saved. That word saved means delivered of mind, body, spirit, and soul. Made complete. But he that believeth not shall be damned. What is it that you didn't believe? Here is the condemnation. John 3, 16, 17, 18, if you read it, here's the condemnation. Is there fullness in the sacrifice? Yes. Is anyone can be saved under John 16? Yes. But here's the condemnation that light has come into the world. God is light. God come manifested in flesh. Then God come indwelled in the human beings in spirit that we can walk with him in spirit and in truth by faith in the gospel, which that gospel is God in word and letter form. God is here. So here's the condemnation when light comes to increase your revelation, to come to perfection because you're walking toward immortality all the time. We're moving steadily toward it, toward it, toward it. You think Luther and Wesley and them men understand what's been available to us today? No way. You think the early Pentecostals, Price, all these men, Lake, 
Finney, Spurgeon, wonderful, outstanding ministries, preaching little stories, Jesus loves us, all the great ministry. Do you think they understand God and His power and what's been revealed today after the seal was opened? No way. So they continue on their own little rituals and that walk of death. The message people has done the same. These signs shall follow them that believe the revelation or walk in the light. For in my name, in my name, Jesus said, I have kept them in thy name. I have kept them by the word that you give to me, I give to them, and I have kept them in thy name. Therefore, the name and the word is the same. So when you say in the name of Jesus, then basically you have a revelation that you and the word and the name are one. If I hire you to do a job, and I give you the power of attorney, I sign it, you got the power. You got the building, this much money is in the bank. Then you have the authority and the power and the knowledge that you can go about doing it without any reservation. That when you write a check, it will be fulfilled. When you tell a man he's fired, he's fired. Then how come we cannot take God's word for to go out and do God's business to increase the kingdom of God? And he said, I'm going to give you authority over the devils, over principalities and powers and sickness. You take my word and put it in your mouth, and I'll give you 70 to 80 years of good health and prosperity, soul, body, and spirit-wise. Hallelujah. Then we come down to this generation. So we understand that divine healing may be a minor. Well, Brother Gregory's preaching in the minors. We're preaching of theophanies and rainbows, and we're up in, uh, out in the millennium, and we're uh, over in glorified bodies, and we're in New Jerusalem. Uh, he's preaching divine healing and minor. If you leave out a minor, you won't ever get to the whole. If it takes the pl- complete Word of God to change you, and you leave two parts out, then you're two parts short. If there's a revelation that's needed for the rapture, then you must have it. Now, I can have a million dollars in the bank and not know it. That would be hard for me to do, but I could have. They could knock on the door and say, you know, you had an uncle? And I said, yeah, I know him. Well, he left you a million dollars. You know that? I said, I didn't know that. Well, it's been in the bank for all your life. You could roll a check on any time you wanted to. I said, how come somebody didn't tell me? Well, we just thought you'd find out. We're just waiting for you to find out. That's the reason God sent the fivefold minister to tell you. The Father deposited the power and authority in your name, in the bank, in your life, or your time period to be little Jesus on this earth to take authority over the powers of the devil, principalities, anything that will come against you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have authority that every knee, every demon will bow to the confession that comes out of your mouth. If you don't doubt. Divine healing is a part of our inheritance. We know that sickness is of the devil. Hemi believes that. Hemi's got a problem in their body now. So how many of us are dealing with devils now? I'm glad we know who we're dealing with. 
You said, no, oh, mine's just a little of this. I'm, I don't have, I just got this problem. I just got, no, we're dealing with spirits. It is not of God, period. God cannot see you through the blood as perfectly saved and healed. And you live your life in church confessing that God's word is true, carrying all this baggage around. Now, I'm preaching to me this morning as well as to you. I have to look at it, preach it, and then live it. It's not easy for me to walk in these things, no more it is for you. Because when your leg is numb from your waist down, you have to look down to see if it's there. Then I have to stand up here and preach that we're perfectly whole. The leg says I'm lying. The Word of God says I'm telling the truth. Which one am I going to believe? In my soul, i got two senses. That one is to believe and one is to doubt. It can't ponder, it can't figure it out. Only two senses. That sixth sense either accepts God's Word or rejects God's Word. So that's what we're looking at. So it's not natural for us to be what we call sick, afflicted, or any of these physical ailments that we have. It's not natural for us to even sin. If you didn't even know the gospel, never even heard the gospel, and you was an elected seed of God down in that soul, there would be something in you that would absolutely fulfill a moral law and walk according to the conscience and your feelings of what you know is right and wrong, even without hearing the gospel. You say, well, I didn't know that was a sin. Brother Bam said he went over to the natives, and they had certain rights and things and laws and moral laws in their camp that were surpassed Christianity. Paul told the Jews there, he said, you preach the law, sacrifice, circumcision, and all these things. And the heathens out here, by nature, something in them, by nature, do those things that you preach to these people, they must do to be saved. Then what's the re reason of the gospel? The reason of the gospel is to enlighten and to give birth to that nature in you to let it know that you're a son of God, an expression of the eternal plan of our Heavenly Father. We're walking epistles of Christ. We're a mighty army as far as God is concerned. How many knows it's not natural to lie? Anybody uh, ever feel a little tick or a little, when you tell a almost half-truth? Well, I was only doing 65 also. You know you're doing 78. That policeman that stopped me up here, I, I got a first ticket. I said, this is my first ticket. I'm 80 years old. First I got a ticket. He said, I'll go back and check. He said, yeah, it's your first ticket. Congratulations. I'm the one to give you your first ticket. <laughs> he said, you're doing so-and-so. Oh, I said, officer, I wasn't doing so-and-so. I said, I was, just, I was probably just doing, not doing over 65. He said, that's the trouble. You're in a 60-mile-an-hour speed limit. See, we have a tendency to almost kind of stretch the truth, hoping it don't break. 
Because if you embrace it, you have to repent and go back and make it right. So. But if I put you on a lie detector, Brother Ram said, there's something in that soul that I put you on a lie detector, and it would register that you were lying. So there's something in us that registers the truth of God. I don't believe it's natural under this spiritual exodus. How many believe you're in an exodus? We're under a spiritual exodus under the leadership of a pillar of fire. We had a prophet even as a type of Moses leading the children of Israel out. We're under the headship of a pillar of fire. And therefore as a type of the natural and the spiritual. Under this leadership in this exodus in the presence of God. All these headaches, I just listed some out of them, what more? Backaches, Amy has backaches. Oh, yeah, when you get 75, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm supposed to have backaches. You have backaches. I heard when I got 60, I, I would feel bad, and I'd feel bad. Well, my mama at 78, she had so-and-so, I guess I'll have so-and-so, too. First thing the doctors ask you, did your dad have heart trouble? Your mom had trouble? Well, you got heart trouble too. I said, that's a lie. Because I was born again about 30-something years ago, and that new birth broke that curse. Because I don't have to carry the baggage of my parents down, but the baggage of the parents come down because it's familiar spirits that just keeps passing on down, passing on down, passing on down. They don't have to go far to get from father to children, children to children to children to children. Why should a devil run around and find a new neighborhood when he's got a built-in one? That's the reason why they, well, they act just like their daddy. They act just like their mom. You know, their daddy was so-and-so, and they act just the same way. Yeah, they got the same family with them, same spirit. Oh, you said, well, it's just an inherited trait. Well, you're pretty well right. Then why all of a sudden you got a white little lamb out of a black flock. Where'd that one come from? Under the natural exodus, we find out if you read the Bible, it's been preached and every evangelist that can uh, bark up a tree and preach loud, the clothes didn't wear out, the food didn't want more, whatever more, the children really want all the, they didn't even stink, didn't have to take a bath or nothing else. Well, if their clothes didn't rot, and the shoes didn't wear out, and they didn't get sick, and they didn't have headaches, and they didn't have high blood pressure, and they didn't have none of these symptoms under that pillar of fire, then what's wrong with us in the spiritual? What's going on here? If this exodus is a type of that exodus, and I believe the prophet in the Scripture tells us that it's true, and this exodus is more real than that one. Because they were led by their senses. They could see the light. They could see the cloud. They picked up and heard Moses say, move. They moved. Had no more revelation or nothing. But we being offspring and seed of Almighty God, understand the pillar of fire is our Father. We've got a built-in radar and a connection that we follow the Spirit by the Word of God. We got something in us and it can hear us say amen and somehow we obey and just follow along. There's got to be more protection there in this presence than it was that one. For this exodus 
is to lead us through Jordan, which is death, resurrection, and immortality. Our Joshua is right here with us now as the great Holy Spirit in the form of a pillar of fire. Why have we got all these sicknesses? Well, Brother Greg, I'm off, off kelter just a little bit, but I'll get right back on it over here. Well, Brother Greg, i tell you what it is. It's these foods that we eat. I'll have to say amen to that. It's these foods that we eat. I picked up one of those little nice dainty treats, you know, that everybody... Mouse saliva, what more? It wasn't over that big. Just man, it, but it, they had it real pretty, cherry whipped cream, whatever more. Man, it looked good. But it was only 2,000 calories. So that's supposed to be the snack before you eat supper. So I ate 2,000 calories of poison. Said I'll need another 1,800 calories of more poison. Then wonder why I felt bad in the morning. Hello. See, when you get down simple, everybody shuts down on you. If I get way up here in the sky, everybody hollers, amen. We're talking about divine healing. Do you understand that it is true according to the Word of God? If we realize what the Word of God teaches us, it would take care of 99 and 9 tenths percent of the diseases. Now, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. I'm, we're all in this. This is not just a preacher hammering on somebody. This is leading us to resurrection power. What about anger? I had a book years ago. I read it on anger. Anger is uh, contributed to about 89% of all the diseases that they know of. What did the prophet say about anger? It's the first step towards insanity. The manifestation of anger is the first step towards insanity and possession of demonic powers. How many knows it's sin to worry? How many calls it something else? I'm only concerned. I'm heavily concerned. How many, how many things about your job? How many things about clothes? Children? School? Politics? Just don't feel like working? Rather not work? But you like to eat? Boy, you're awful quiet today. Uh, am I preaching to a group of Pentecostals or Baptists? Who am I preaching to this morning? It's the truth. When you go to the doctor, and I go once a year, less if I can, the first thing they usually tell you, you need to go on a diet. Why is that? Have you ever had a doctor tell you, well, you do some good to lose a little weight, you need to go on a diet, watch what you eat? Every good doctor will tell you that. We're actually eating ourselves to death. Now, I love food just as well as anybody. The sweeter it is, the better it is. Because when you take poison, take some good poison. 
If I'm going to die with poison, I want that, I want that outstanding poison. I want it to go down like a dream. Ooh, Lord of God. I want my blood pressure to shoot up to 200 before I get the last bite down. If you're going to do harm, do good. Do it up good. We preach sin, salvation, and deliverance even from the second death. And we walk around with these spirits and diseases and sicknesses on us. We brought forth the subject that basically divine healing has changed its medium as we go along. That's what so confused the Pentecostals when we moved to Brother Brown's ministry. Because when God changed from application to application, and we went through those, Mark 16 said, I hear for 2,000 years of the commission of the church to cast out devils. They couldn't fulfill the commission, so they put it as the uninspired word. Brother Branham said the Great Commission could only be fulfilled by those that had been restored by Malachi 4. Now think about it. What he's saying now? He talks in riddles. So only that church that was restored to, by Malachi 4 can fulfill the Great Commission. What's he saying then? When he said, take this message for your healing, nothing outside this message will come to life. He has to be preaching the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not just some unique code of rules and conduct. He's given us a revelation of the atonement. You in the mainstream out there, if you want to look it up, look how many times Brother Bynum went to Isaiah 53 over and over and over. You can't hardly read one sermon that he didn't go back to Isaiah by his stripes. You're healed. The atonement. Why would a prophet of God preach all the rules and regulation that even basically playing jacks on Saturday is a sin? Then after the seals, he broke out a little broken voice. He said it was more simple than I even thought it was. It was Jesus plus nothing. Application to application from basically gifts of healing. Then you come to Malachi 4, Revelation 10, 7, the seal. You, from step to step to step was only leading you to the perfection. Only leading us back. If, brother, if Billy Graham could have understood the atonement in his fullness and preached the fullness reality as good as he could preach a part, would have had a rapture. He could preach salvation for the sinner. So simple that they would come by the little thousands. But he didn't believe that part by his stripes you are healed. So when the tribes over there, the Muslims want more challenge, Billy Graham, brought forth someone sick, you said, now you believe that Jesus Christ is a Savior and a healer? Heal this individual. And he said, I, I can't do it. That's not my ministry. Brother Banner made a statement, oh, if only Billy, uh, Brother Billy would have called me, we could have put him on a run. He said, if Billy Graham had called me, we'd have challenged those spirits, we could have put him on a run to prove that healing was in the atonement. They may not have been his specific calling and gift, but it's there. And if we'll believe it, it'll manifest itself because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. 
We take that scripture back to Moses, the pillar of fire, Jesus and Paul and Brother Branham. But Jesus in the flesh that wrote the four Gospels. The leper said, if it be thy will. And everybody prays, no, Lord, if it be thy will, so on. No, no. He said, if it be thy will, thou can do it. He said, I will. Therefore, showing that it is God's will to heal. And he healed all that would come. Whosoever, anyone, he that believeth. Speaking of salvation, it's for everyone. The man said, you got to preach salvation and healing is for everyone. Knowing that some will not believe it and come to it. Then we must come to a season of perfection. This step by step by step and the prophet's gone and the seals are open. The Gentile age is over. The next thing on the agenda is the resurrection. And spiritually speaking, we have our day of atonement has been manifested in the prophet's ministry. For an invisible union, Christ the mystery of God revealed. I've quoted over and over and over and I got the quotes in here. You have become now the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. And I got a lot of emails on that one. Brother Gregory's preaching that we're sinless. He thinks he's sinless. You are sinless, not that you're perfect in what you do. You're sinless in your revelation that Jesus was perfect and it's attributed to you. You are no more perfect or no more whole than your sacrifice. And that sacrifice was perfect. Therefore, if he sees me through the blood, he sees me through a perfect blood. That makes me perfect in the presence of Almighty God. Is there healing in the presence of God? Amen. But to get there, you must come under the blood of the revelation of Calvary. So the atonement at Calvary is perfection. That cannot be taken away or added to. When the book was open, what's this message so mysterious about everybody? Books and seals and thunders and all that. When the book was open, it's simply Jesus Christ come in his full expression of the atonement. It was true, it was perfect. It is real. He is the same. And he come forth and proved that every scripture is amen. We preached last week the excellent and more excellent way. Gifts is an excellent gift. Brother Bram's gift was almost perfect. People has gifts of healing. We probably got gifts of healing right in this building. You don't even know it. There's hundreds of gifts in the body of Christ. There's gifts of giving. Gifts of hospitality. There's gifts of helps. There's attitudes. There's blessings. People's got a, a way of comforting people. On and on we could go and go. I don't have all those gifts. You don't have them all. But we got our own little unique clinch in the body of Christ. And it takes all of us together. To come in realizing that we're sons and daughters of little sparks off the great pillar of fire. To sit here that the revelation and the presence of God can come by our confession out of our mouth. Worshiping God. 
Worship is not just an idol, but we worship him because we have fellowship with our relationship. We are sons and daughters. We're married to him. We have a different position. Out of all the ways of healing, even James 5, 4, when Brother Brown said, call the elders of the sick, and we attributed that right here two weeks ago. Followed the scripture to the letter. The Bible said the prayer of faith shall save the sick and he should be raised up. I believe that. You say, but it didn't work. Oh, I beg your pardon. It works. Come on now. I guarantee you that that soul will come out of that grave in a resurrected body. And basically about next week or two weeks from now, be just like a fire. He will raise up and be made whole. You say, well, that's after the fact. No, it is the fact. This is the temporal. That is the perfect. That confession out of his mouth is what he was and is. You say, I don't believe that. Brother Branham went up to his death claiming that he was healed and he was sick all of his ministry. All of his ministry was sick. Had this affliction. Pray and pray and pray. God told him as Paul had an affliction, I had to hold him down a little bit. So is yours. I'm not that way. You're not that way because we're not that important. So don't say, I'm like Paul. I'm not like Paul. You're not like Paul. But God has a means and a way of doing things. Our sickness is not for the glory of God either. Well, I guess God wants me sick. God doesn't want you sick. If he wanted you sick, it would be a crime and a sin to go to the doctor. Why would you go, if you say, well, God gave me this to make me better. Then why would you go to the doctor? You're taking away your blessing. Don't take a pill. Don't have it cut out. Just, just take this. Oh, go ahead and die. Praise God. That's for the glory of God. But when it gets to hurt and you backslide every time, you run to a doctor find out what it is. Is that a sin? No. Because God knew where we'd be in this hour. He'd give us doctors. He'd give us gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. Doctors, nurses, preachers, advisors, psychologists. All these things. Heal our minds. Heal our bodies. God takes a holistic approach to healing. That's the reason he puts plants out here. He puts this one. You can eat and be healed. You can laugh and be healed. Laughter is medicine to the soul. I read a man in, uh, what is it, the uh, psychiatry of the subconscious mind, where a man was dying, and he read in the Bible that laughter is a medicine to the soul. And he said he went around laughing all the time. He played this what, Red Skeleton movies. He'd watch him just laugh and laugh. Everything was funny. He just laughed and laughed, and the more he laughed, the more well he got. You say, ah, it's hard for me to believe that. God's Word is true. He just happened to believe it. He was stupid enough to act on God's Word. He looked like a fool. Like the Catholic come through Brother Brown's prayer line. Blind as a bat. Brother Brown prayed for him and said, you receive your sight. Say, I'm healed. The man said, I'm healed. Walked off, shouting, give praise to God. About 30 minutes later, here he come right back through the prayer line. Brother Brown said, 
Here, same man. He said, I thought you said you was healed. He said, well, I can't see. He said, now you take my word for it. He said, seeing he was a Catholic, I knew he had to do something. <laughs> seeing he was a Catholic, I knew he had to do something. He said, you just go forth and you tell everybody you can see. You've read the story. We all heard the story. But the story holds a principle of faith that maybe if we're not perfect up here to look to the atonement and receive it, he gives us these little helps along the way to improve and strengthen our faith that we can look that way. Went to the barber shop about 10 days later. He said, oh, the barber said, I thought you were down there at that healing meeting. I heard, I heard you telling people that you went to that healing meeting and got, got saved that you can see. He said, I can. God said, I can see. I can see. He said, at that time, his eyes opened. He could see. He run down the street. The barber was running behind him trying to get the napkin off his back. And hold, I can see, I can see, I can see. His confession brought the word into manifestation. Hallelujah. It said it didn't work for him, but it'll work for me. Like he said, I prayed for thousands. They died the next day. He said, do I quit preaching, uh, praying for the sick? He said, no. Just put another shell in the rifle and shoot it. Now look at this right here. We'll close. It's about time, I guess. Karen, y'all want to come? I'm just about a little time. Read you a couple of quotes to point where we go to in our next study. Watch. Most people don't understand the atonement. Because the word atonement is basically one time in the Bible. And then it's in a little italics meaning Reconciliation. A redemption. So when you start preaching the atonement, you're preaching something that 98% of Christianity doesn't accept the way the Bible and Brother Brown preached it. In 1964, after the seals, Brother Brown was asked the question, if you'll go read the whole context, he's talking about the seals open, Jesus leaving the meditatorial seat, coming and taking the book, all those things. He was asked the question, will the foolish virgin be saved? Now here you watch the reading of the word, and this is where most people basically take Brother Bam's quotes and go off with them. Will the foolish virgin be saved? No. Okay, if I stop right there, then nobody can be saved except somebody, some other way. But watch what he's talking about. Whatever happens, happens now. What is he talking about? The seals, the opening of the Word, the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the pillar of fire, the exodus, the repeat, the restoration, perfection coming to his sin. He said, watch. Now she's caught in that state. She will have to go through the tribulation period. And the reason of it is, watch, here's the whole crush. I don't know whether they got the quarter. Yeah, there it is. And the reason of it, it is, is because she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. Now, that's not a paragraph that we can just think about. She's gone. He's telling me something here. 
I'm going to go through the tribulation if I do not accept the atonement in its fullness. I'm not going to be perfectly healed, permanent healing for the resurrection unless I'm trusting in the atonement in its fullness. Therefore, the atonement is basically the crutch of the matter. It's the point that you go forward into immortality or Feast of the Tabernacles or you go back to the Feast of Pentecost. You go forward or you go back or you stop. And on the Day of Atonement, the Jews rejected it 2,000 years ago. 144,000 Jews will accept the atonement when two prophets come and preach Jesus was their Christ, their Messiah. Only 144,000 out of the millions. He said, because they have rejected the atonement in its fullness, notice she is a believer, a professed believer, but she will go through the tribulation period. He's not telling them that they won't be saved as far as salvation is concerned. But they won't take the atonement to absolutely bring them in a state of immortality for resurrection and rapture. So there's a part in there, our revelation in the atonement, he's telling us that the church world will not accept. All right, if it's as simple as Isaiah 53, what are they missing? They believe that Jesus died and the sacrifice was sufficient for their sins to save them from hell. And that's where they stop. They do not believe that the atonement or healing is in the atonement. They don't believe it. Because 99% of the people, especially those in this message, and I was a part of it full time, we believe that it was believing on Brother Brown, believing the message, plus anything the preacher could think of to put a bondage on the people. I read this quote over and over, and I'll read it and stop and finish it. Brother Branham said, but the Jews back there in the time of Jesus now did not want to accept that sacrifice. Why wouldn't they? Number one, it was a human sacrifice, which they didn't believe in human sacrifice. Number two, it was against all their rituals, laws of animals. So here you got a man being offered as a sacrifice, a human sacrifice. That's paganism. And these was intellectual righteous Jews living by the law of Moses. He said the blood of bulls and goats made nothing perfect. It was once God's ordained method. Offer a lamb here, offer this, the turtle up. So but now Christ having appeared in the flesh. Christ having appeared in the flesh. When did Christ appear in the flesh? At the river of Jordan. I saw the pillar of fire, or the Holy Spirit descend like a dove and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Christ appeared in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And by the shedding of His own blood, this unique man, one of a kind person, no one like Him, has put away sin. 
Somebody say, praise God, amen, hallelujah, somewhere. Sin. My sins is gone. Praise be to God. That good news should make a pagan shout. It should make a Baptist speak in tongues. It should make a Pentecostal believe that God is here. And by that offering of himself has made us perfect. Made you perfect. The Jews will not take that. Watch. The Jews will not take that. They rejected Jesus and they rejected Paul's message too. But what about that Philadelphian age of love when everybody loves one another? He said, and yes, the other ages too. No one accepted it. Did they really accept this reality in Christ? No, sir. Even though Luther brought the truth of justification to the Romans church in the eastern part, the Orthodox, they still clung to works. Now, works are fine, but they don't save you. Lord, help us to see the simplicity of this power. Here's power. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free from sicknesses, diseases, demons, devils, anger, power, all these emotional. It will make us free. You said, this is not some powerful revelation. It's the most powerful revelation that any preacher can preach. And I pray that I could preach it better than it is. They don't save you. They don't make you perfect. It's Christ or perish. It's not even Christ and works. It is Christ alone. This age began the years of Arminianism that does not believe in Christ as the reality. It does not sing of nothing but the blood, for it sings of nothing but the blood and my own conduct. What do you hear in message, church? What did I preach on the first 20 years of my ministry? Conduct. We preached on TV for 10 years. Finally got one old message. Well, I finally got rid of it to satisfy you. Praise God. That's wonderful. I said, now I've accomplished my job. Amen. I looked at her to make sure she really got rid of it, too. Here's his statement, watch. From start to finish, it is all God. Let his life be in me. That's the end product. Let it be his blood that cleanses me. There's your sanctification. Let it be his spirit that fills me. There's your baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let it be his word in my heart and mouth. Now, here's the key to your authority and your inheritance to make the atonement manifest for you. Let it be his stripes that heal me. Let it be Jesus and Jesus alone, not by works of righteousness, which I have done. No, sir. Christ is my life. The atonement is the perfect way. There's miracle in the atonement. And the simple revelation of Jesus in that blood, it will finally one day strike a group of people. And it will become so real that they will see ourselves as perfect. Therefore, by his stripes, I was healed. If I am saved, I am healed. Your works is what comes out of your mouth. Our conduct is controlled by the words out of our heart. I think it's time for us to stand up and give voice to the revealed Word of God.
If God would give us a revelation of the perfection of the atonement, there won't be one sick person in this building. There won't be one blind, one cripple. Anyone won't even need hearing aids, eyeglasses, or anything else. Eyeglasses are wonderful. Hearing aids are wonderful. Dentists is great. Doctors are wonderful. But they're not perfect. If this message does not bring us to perfection, body, spirit, and soul, and it's soul, spirit, to body, there's something missing about it and this word. Because that's what it teaches, that's what it's promised, that's what was vindicated, and now we're sitting here facing the reality. Will we embrace what 2,000 years of people and religious people have rejected? How many have seen the picture of the pillar of fire over Brother? I'm getting late now. How many has ever seen the picture of the pillar of fire over Brother Brown's head? You know why that picture was taken? Because they was arguing a group of Baptists about divine healing. And they waved that Bible under Brother Bosworth's nose and said, I guess you're a divine healer. And Brother Branham come on the scene, walked out on the platform. That's when that pillar of fire was taken that these unbelievers could see it. And he said, do you preach salvation? He said, yes. Are you a divine savior? And he said, no. He said, I preach divine healing, but I'm not a divine healer. I preach it because the word of God teaches it is so. And God come on the scene and had his picture taken to prove that this Bible is the truth. Therefore, let us believe with our hearts, confess with our mouth, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. And I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is there healing in the revelation of the presence of God? I declare that there is, and I declare that's the only place of perfect, permanent healing. Let's stand this morning, would you? Amen. What was it we singing before we started? Um, I'm in faith. And, okay. All right. How many loves him this morning? How many feels real bad that Brother Gurry had to cancel his vacation for a few days? Don't say a word. Praise God. Because right now, I'm, my mind hadn't got old. I'm, I'm just, I'm already done. I'm in the mountains right now. And I hope by Tuesday or Wednesday I'll get there. If I don't, well, I guess that's all right. We'll see. But I'm believing that Sister Gregory is all right. I'm believing for you. But just when the devil will raise his head up. But we have a confession in our mouth that God's word is true. Amen. Well, I'm rich in faith and hope and love. Shake hand with somebody. I guess we're far enough to do that now. Well, I'm a right bullet. 
believe this morning. I see them present. Glad to have them in the service. May God bless each and every one of you. Praise the Lord. Sharing faith and hope and love. I got more than my share. I'm a rightful Come up here and give us the chorus of that song that you sang. Was it the power in the blood or something like that? Let me ask a question. I didn't, I didn't get who, who had the tumor. Who had the tumor? I, didn't get, I heard somebody say that someone had a tumor. Who? Philip Esther. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought somebody in here had one. We're going to take care of that this morning. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask Sam to sing a chorus of that power in the blood. How many believe it this morning? Amen. We are believers and we're worshipers not as an object but as a relationship. We have fellowship with God. Amen and amen. Let's sing it out.